I stayed up late playing fucking Elden Ring, not knowing it was uh, daylight savings time. So we're both the, a little off our rocker. The big snake man did kill us many times, but we got him in the end. Yeah, thank you, thank you to our friends who popped in to help us. And by um, our friends, I mean strangers we'll never meet. Yes, but uh, shout outs. Um, Xenosaga 2 mm. uh, seems like it is a game about family and Nietzsche. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nietzsche. And this week, we talk Nietzsche and Namco with Xenosaga Episode 2, Beyond Good and Evil. Before we have a conversation that fully explodes my spleen, remember you can help me on uh, Mortified the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, setting up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, are following us on Twitter and Tumblr at Mortified Pod. Layla. Aaron, not your spleen. <laughs> it's uh, this was um this was uh this was a property that we did watch. Mm-hmm. It's been you actually played through this whole game in November, right? Yes. Okay. So it's been it's been a little bit longer for you. Um I just watched the cutscene videos on YouTube um over this weekend. But uh yeah, this is this is another one of our ones where we play through an obscure JRPG and um, have very in-depth conversations about it. We're going to try to do something a little bit different um, in that we we might go through our normal plot summary and characters and stuff, but we're actually going to spend a lot of the time trying to dissect um, you know, what, what we liked and didn't like about this property and, and try to, Layla, you pictured this as like a writing workshop um, because it's just straight up, this is a fucking bad game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this game is the reason I put this franchise down for 20 years. I mean, I get why. <laughs> yeah, it's not good um, in any facet, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. you, How long were the cutscenes that you watched? Uh, it was only four and a half hours, so not terrible as far as like what we've done on this program. Um, but like, if I felt them. Yeah, uh, the gameplay is 15 or so hours long, I think, maybe 20. It's a short game, and the problem with it structurally, and we'll get into this more in depth, but that awful um, sequence inside Momo's head is most of the game, and the gameplay is Torment. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that's most of disc one, and then you do some proto-omega stuff. And, and But before we get into that, it's my turn to do the summary. Thank Christ. Yeah. Thank Yeshua. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Christ, chaos. And, <laughs> thank Christ and Yeshua were two different people. Mm-hmm. So great. Uh, I'm going to keep this actually kind of brief for the sake of everyone's sanity. Because um, this game for being 20 hours is kind of 20 hours of nothing. Um, so part one, you pull up into second Milsha with the whole gang. They all kind of split up um, because Momo needs to get the Y data inside her head analyzed. Y data being the secret code that her dad left in her head. She's a realian, a type of uh, manufactured human um, that opens the gate to the original Milsha, where there was a war, and um, the Zohar, which is a Jesus battery. Uh, Shion, Chaos, and Junior go meet 
Xi'an's brother Jin, who is new to the new to the franchise in a more permanent way. He like appeared in a phone call, kind of, um, in one. And you saw him at the end cutscene where Cosmos was like saving the ship with her angel wings. Uh, Jin in this game is insufferable. I will say he gets better um, in three, but he he sucks really bad in this game. He's very annoying. Um, Xion is also just needlessly aggro in this game. Um, so the whole journey is bad. Um, I kind of forget where a lot of the rest of them go, but the Momo gang goes to, you know, Vector and, and they go get ready to dive into her head. Problem, Albedo put a virus in her head. So when they try to dive, he shuts her personality down and steals the Y data. So they have to, the whole gang has to get together and dive inside Momo's head in order to uh, get her personality back and see if they can't resolve the situation. Inside Momo's head is actually a... Um, it's, it's another, like, inner world simulation, and she's there without being able to, like, participate, really. She's she's just kind of there to be a player character. Her personality's locked. And the <laughs> what ensues, then, is a long series of flashbacks that take care, that take place in one summer and one winter, where you get to meet um, Dr. Yuryev, who is Junior and Guinan's, like, creator, their dad. Um, you get the backstory on Negredo Jr. and Albedo, um, and also their sister Citrine, who, if their numbers 666, 667, and 669, Citrine is 668. Um, she, she really just girl bosses, um, Gaslight Gatekeep girl boss of, of these, like, synthetic warrior children. Um, you find out that, uh, Yuli and Joachim Mizrahi's, like, human daughter, their biological daughter, died of a very strange and very rare nervous disorder that had to do with, um, like, I guess Udu messing with her brainwaves, and so the URTVs, because of their connection with Udu, were the only ones able to dive into her head and actually communicate with her. Um, Junior and this little girl had kind of like a little baby romance because, you know, they were both children and, uh, unfortunately she does die. Um, you also get to see Albedo's Jokerification, which we'll talk about. I actually thought it was fine. Um, and then once the gang gets Momo back and they come back out, uh, because Albedo got the Y data through a series of events, you find out that, uh, hey, fun fact, there's actually a big golden angel spaceship in the core of the planet called the Proto Merkaba, and it uses the Zohar as a battery. And now, uh, because of the way it disrupted space, the new thing is that everyone has to unite and go after Proto Merkaba. Um, and then that's what happens. And after all that, uh, everyone meets back on uh, the Durandal. And Junior realizes he has to go into the Udu cloud to go fight Albedo in the most fucking god-awful annoying boss fight you ever done scene, um, in which neither you or Albedo can die until a dice rolls and tell you, tells you that Albedo can die. Um, it took me 20 minutes. It was not fun. Uh, and then, yeah, everyone's, like, sad, I guess, at the end. And I truly, like, that's all... If that didn't make any sense to you, don't worry about it. It didn't make sense to me after 25 hours either. Yeah, not only did I watch all the cutscenes this weekend, but I also watched a 30-minute explainer uh, before I did this podcast, and I still didn't follow what you were saying just now, mm-hmm. um, which is going to make this a difficult discussion, but we're going to press on uh, <laughs> regardless. Um, 
let's <sighs> let's just talk about the characters because uh, they they got new looks. Uh, the, for I don't know why the franchise pivoted to realism from anime. It didn't transfer well. I don't no. like Cosmos's lava lamp body at all. Xion does not look like herself whatsoever. Um, they also got a new voice cast, which I don't want to disparage the voice actors. I want to disparage the direction that they got because it was not great direction. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's talk about our girl, Xion. Um She was so mean. She really was. I, I mean, besides the conflict that she has with Jin, where she is just, like, constantly sniping at him, she also just, like, fucking is constantly yelling at poor Alan, um, who, you know, is, you know, hopelessly in love with her. Um, but, uh, like, I just remember her being like, come on, Alan, be a man and help me fight God or some shit. It's just like, come on, Shion, cut your poor subordinate a break. Yeah, she does not give anyone a break. And also, it's funny to watch these, like, uh, uh, humanoid characters try to bring the physicality of anime into the performance because like okay so when Xion first runs into Jin who she's just avoiding as much as she humanly can um she physically dives from her chair at the restaurant into like a little corner and hides from him which like in an anime if you had like a little motion blur and they zipped around it could work it looks really weird to, like, have an adult human woman give that kind of performance. Um, yeah, so it's just not fun. The parts that made Xion fun to me were moments of, like, every time she was mean, it was to, like, help someone grow. And she had moments of compassion to balance that out. There were no moments of compassion at all. It was just, she was just mean. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to, because to, that's the thing that I noticed about this, is that, like, you know, we, we see Xion being, in the first game, a little bit of, like, maybe, like, the kind of person who doesn't take notice when they, like, insult someone because they're just like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, saying what's, what's true and right, um, but, like, also would have these moments of self-reflection, especially with regards to her um, dead boyfriend, um, where she's like, okay, I'm reflecting about this and I, and I feel sad about this. And that's why I'm going to, you know, take these measures to, you know, take care of Cosmos. Um, and like in this one, we don't really see her do anything. There, there's a kind of a good moment where she, um, is like fighting to keep Cosmos under her like jurisdiction. Cause she has to turn Cosmos over to the government or whatever. Um, and, and I kind of like the, the moments after that, where she's just like wandering around her hometown depressed, <laughs> Um, and like, I, I liked that, how they characterized her like that, but the rest of it, like, yeah, I don't, I, I feel like it wasn't really in character for her. Like she's, you know, maybe, maybe we could read that as like her lashing out because, um, you know, Cosmos has been taken away. She has to deal with her shitty brother. Um, but you know, I do wish that we had got, got a little bit more of her being like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help you. And I, I just didn't read that, uh, in, in the cutscenes. Yeah, no, it wasn't there at all. It was not fun to watch. Um, let's talk about Jin. How did how did you feel about our boy? So he has like two cool sword fights, um, and uh -huh. that's that's the. I mean, those were cool. I, I like the sword fights, but like, mm -hmm. he just seems like he sucks ass. Like, uh, I'm gonna be using the phrase "sucks ass" a lot today. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, um, but like, like when we meet him, he is just like he is deliberately framed as somebody who like is not interested in what Xion has to say like 
and to the point where he is like talking over her and ordering like something at this bar that they go to um and then she was like hey are you paying attention to me and he's like oh yeah i'm definitely paying attention to you bring bring those drinks over here uh my guy and it's like you know it's it's 2005 era animation and and you know maybe clumsily translated voice lines um so like it doesn't it doesn't come quite as naturally as maybe you know something that was done by an all uh, english-speaking team uh of, of both animators and and voice actors but like um it, it is it just reads as so strange and it, it comes across in a way that's just like okay we want to make sure that you know that Jin does suck um but then also later on we get like a whole bunch of stuff about how he's like oh i just never could protect shion and like you know i i wish i was doing what um he says that somebody else is doing for shion what he wishes he could do i don't remember what character that is but I like i think it's alan i think uh, or chaos maybe maybe chaos i truly don't remember um but basically he, he expresses this desire to be like yeah you know i wish i could have you know had that relationship with my sister because it's revealed that she like blames him for her par- their parents death um i don't i don't know why um okay good so it's never explained Excellent. i know no it's explained but oh. the reaction uh, her reaction to it makes sense only in so far as like a child having thought that i feel like i don't know maybe she just like didn't process her grief ever um but uh, to to still have that reaction as an adult uh feels disingenuous yeah i mean she's like fully 30 at this point like she she has a 401k like she can't (laughs) just be like if you were there you would have stopped my parents from dying um it's like all right all right, Shion, whatever. Um, again, like another instance of her being like weirdly unreasonable in this one. Yeah, which like I mean, I don't... mild. That's not even a spoiler. No, he wouldn't have stopped them from dying. Not at all. There's no way he could have. It was like the thing that killed them was very strong. <laughs> like, was did they die at second mil or, or second mm-hmm. milch? They, died, they yeah. both died during the Milchen conflict. Her mother. The Milchen conflict. Yes. Her mother was ill um, and was on her deathbed anyway, but then got like thoroughly skewered, and then her dad died in the same room um, from the same thing. And those creatures are tough. And I don't think her brother could have could have taken them on. Was it was honest. it a gnosis? No, um, those those were only on their way at that point. Okay, so this is pre gnosis. Okay. Yeah, it um, was. Am I supposed to know? What no, killed? no, 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 not okay. yet. Okay, okay. But Good. you will it, the it will be thoroughly explored in the third. Don't you worry. Okay. Yeah. Well, fucking, we'll uncover that mystery next month. But um, yeah, just just weird, just a weird. I mean, I don't, I don't like Jin, um, in this one. Nah, he sucked. I do like that. Uh, the the most charming moment he kind of gets is when Junior and Chaos are at his house, and it's a bookstore, and Junior is like completely ignoring him and like picking out books, and he's so sad he can't buy them because he's fighting with Shia. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought that was nice. Um, so Cosmos didn't really. She was fine. Yeah, she was. She was Co- there. Cosmos really does not feature basically at all in this in in my in my understanding this is really the fucking albedo um rubido negretto show in in my and i guess momo too like those it really centers on momo and the 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 three color boys um because like you know our poor android she shows up to like you know do some cool shield blasts but we basically don't get any of the you know exploration of interiority or like 
her, you know, becoming her own person. There's a cool bit where, like, um, Shion's in trouble, and Cosmos, like, like hears her cries from across the universe and turns the, like, you know, robot pod that she's being, like, monitored in into a motorcycle and just flies away, which is very funny. No, it was um, extremely dope. <laughs> I love that part. Um, but besides that, yeah, poor, poor, poor Cosmos doesn't get a whole lot of screen time. Which, like, honestly, good, because... Listen, I didn't want her to be ruined by this disaster of a video game. Um, Alan gets a very short end of a stick, and that's all I can manage to say. He is my same old good boy who is just yelled at constantly. He opens the the game by like accidentally stepping on Shion's glasses, and you know it's just like he spends the whole game paying for that. <laughs> Which, like, is such an odd justification for her not wearing her glasses through the game. Like, that's the only reason they, they wanted to, like, yassify Xion. Yeah. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> so he steps on her glasses and she doesn't have those dorky-ass things. She gets a bag, but, like, God damn, you guys. They're <laughs> Just say she put her contacts <laughs> Yeah, they literally, one time your coworker accidentally breaks your glasses and all of a sudden you're wearing a crop top and <laughs> going to bars and shit. She like that. really gets yassified in the third one. Like, she oh becomes a hot girl. It's wild. All um, right, sure. Uh, Junior's fine in this one. Uh, he's, he's sad. We get that he's sad. I mean, this is this is the junior game. This is all about junior and how he feels and his complicated relationship with his apparently conjoined twin, um, who is immortal. Oh my uh, god! Can regenerate their like head and shit. Like, okay, I might as well. Yeah. So let's we talk to, we about to, it. We can't. We cannot. We listen. Just because they separated Junior and Albedo <laughs> in the story, we can't separate them in this conversation. Okay. Yeah. So hear me. So okay. So Albedo can't die. He he thinks that. N- all his family, his brothers that, that he's very attached to, like unhealthily attached to, he also thinks they can't die. So when he's like a baby starfish, he, <laughs> he really is. It's so, like, oh, if I just, you know, tear this man's arm off, it'll grow back. That's how things work. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, you are TVs. You guys can just regenerate. Right. Like, why do you care so much? And his brothers are like, what are you talking about? We can't regenerate. And he's like, what? And he blows his own head off to prove a point for the second time in this franchise and it just grows back and his brothers are like no we can't do that dude I they're even- like horrified <laughs> for, there's like a good 10 seconds where they're just like screaming <laughs> terrified it's like and then his head grows back and they're just like what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck so albedo finds out that his parents will die someday that's basically what happens he finds out that he will be alone and his brothers will die and that kind of starts his spiral um, that spiral is exacerbated when he gets infected by Udu um, during the Milshin conflict. Uh, and that is why we have the albedo we know today. Um, okay. Like, I kind of like his, his you know, descent into, you know, radicalization. Like, I think it is interesting to be like, you know, what if you ta- taught a child that at a very young age that, you know, everybody they know, um, you know, would die and, like, they would just be left alone for forever because they're immortal. And, like... You know, I, I think they go a little bit extreme. They, they swing a little bit too hard. Like, there's a bit where he is, like, liter- there's, like, a flashback where he's, like, literally digging graves for um, um, Junior and uh, uh, Negredo. Guinan. Yeah. Negredo. They Same. have so many fucking names. Same guy. Um, his brothers. But, like, and, like, 
I thought that was like a little much, but also it did kind of illustrate for me where Albedo was as a character. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, I think it's a, they're, they're overdoing it a little bit, but also Albedo's whole character is just like, you know, turned up to 11. So like, I, I liked that bit. Um, I just, just the rest of the stuff where it's like, anyway, we're going to make him do a bunch of terrible shit and we're still going to ask you to sympathize with him in the end. Oh God! I th- so I think I think the albedo grave digging would have been more effective if it happened after he was infected and like fully off his rocker. Um, like if we entered the like one of the ma- many evil spaceships that I get confused, and there were just like gravestones for Negredo and Rubido, um, and he would be like, "Oh, like when you die, like you can rest with me, and we'll be together forever." Like that would have made more sure. sense to me. But yeah, him digging the graves is a bit much. So, and this is also the reveal of why Junior can't age. Um, because, okay, how did this make sense to me? I made sense of this before. In as much sense as it could be made of. So, because Albedo is the, like, regenerative part of Rubido, him not having like that part of him stops him stops his body from like progressing yeah uh, albedo's his uh picture of dorian gray yes and so albedo ages but ruby does not even though he is like older technically is all three of them are the same age there's a very okay i'll just tell you this now there's an incredibly stupid reveal um in three that is so funny to me because it's like i forget who's talking to to junior um someone it's one of the the like jesus associated characters and they're like albedo this is your or rubido this is your true form and like behind albedo or rubido god damn it like, <laughs> behind rubido it fades in like <laughs> this like facing away from the camera this like naked model of of a grown-up rubido it is so <laughs> stupid it's like this is what you would look like if you aged <laughs> But you don't, so Not, this doesn't matter. <laughs> I, in theory, I guess he should start aging, um, because him and Rubido like re, or him and Albedo merge back together at some point. I forget if it's in two or three. Um, it wasn't in this one. Uh, it's the logical so. conclusion to their arc. I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything. Um, yeah, I'm not invested in this. So. Yeah, so it's fine. I'm going to be real fast and loose with spoilers. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's their whole shit is so stupid. Um, we'll talk about Albedo a little more later because hmm, there's some implications and some odd choices that are made that I do loathe with every cell in my body. Mm-hmm. Uh... Dr. Mizrahi. I just wanted to talk about her because, like, this game's narrative is very interested in family relations. Um, so, like, her relationship with um, Momo, for instance, like that—that's like a, like the central point of their their relationship is like she like has neglected Momo for most of her life um, because one, Momo looks like. Dr. Misbrahi's real daughter, Sakura, who, um, um, like, died, um, because of that disease, right? And, um, but, like, her, her husband, um, Joachim, was like, no, we have to make this android look like our dead daughter, um, and Dr. Misrahi, you know, in her, in her 
<laughs> not to defend Dr. Miss Rahi, but like if your ex-husband made um, a clone of your dead child, uh, I would be a little bit weirded out by it. I get it. Um, but like she has to have a whole conversation with Ziggurat about how um, that's a different person. And because that's a different person, you, you have to treat them differently. Um, and like their, her whole arc is like first like, oh, I'm going to be nice to Momo because I know that she's been programmed to respond to being nice, getting, <laughs> having warm family relationships, uh, which is fucking stupid. Um, it's like, oh, if you're nice to somebody and treat them like, like you would treat a family member, they're going to do better on their fucking statistical tests. Like the malware will go, will run better, I guess, or I don't know. Fuck. It's it's dumb, but basically her whole arc is like, oh, actually, it turns out Momo is like way different than than my daughter was, and um, they are different people, and uh, I guess I should just try to be nice to you anyway. Uh huh. Yeah. That's that's yeah. That that's about it. sums up my thoughts too. Um, we talk about Negredo in this game. Um, does he do the murder in this one? He's he shoots um their like dad. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. He gets a little lie. Yeah, yeah, he shoots Doctor Y, whatever. Um, Dimitri Yuryev, of course. Yuryev, <laughs> of course, the Slav. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, and then he becomes Dimitri Yuryev. Opposite. So Yuryev kind of infects Negredo. Okay. I don't know how. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yep, that plays. That's an important part of three that I still can't parse sure mm-hmm. sure yeah why not yeah that's it three is okay three is uh, two is the fucking darkest depths of depravity it's such a bad game three is fine three is a good time three is very fun uh there's a lot of fun things that happen in it um uh, and, and it's a lot more sufferable but you do have to make it through two to get to three um uh, so yeah those are our characters. They sure are. Um, you know, and that's okay. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't even know how to break this down. What do you think, overall, grand vision, this game was trying to achieve narratively? <sighs> I think Xeno... Is this Xenoblade or Xenogear? I this don't remember. This is Xenosaga. Not neither. <laughs> Xenosaga. Great. I'm sorry. I'm so tired. Um, Good. Yeah. This... <laughs> Aaron and I stayed up late playing fucking Elden Ring, not knowing it was a uh, daylight savings time. So we're both the, a little off our rocker. The big snake man did kill us many times, but we got him in the end. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you to our friends who popped in to help us. And by um, our friends, I mean strangers we'll never meet. Yes, but uh, shoutouts. Um, Xenosaga 2 mm. uh, seems like it is a game about family and Nietzsche. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's that's a pretty high concept, straight up. <laughs> yeah, that's not uh, easy to parse. Well, so... And, yeah, keep going. I, I was just going to say, and, and like, so I think it does achieve... Achieve is a strong word. It it shows us that there are characters who are related that consider themselves family and that they have complicated relationships with each other and sometimes they have to do 
uh, they have to quote, you know, go beyond good and evil to, to quote the text, um, uh -huh. to when they, when they're dealing with them. Right. Um, you know, when fucking what's her name, the goddamn main character of this goddamn series, Xion. Xion, thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> like she, they, they find the original Zohar and like two of her realian friends, I guess are hooked up to it. Um, and she's like, oh no, there we have to save them because she was tasked by by another ghost uh, to save them, uh, and uh, Cosmos is like, no, I'm just gonna destroy them and the Zohar. Um, you know, Shion has to choose and be like, okay, well, I have to let you kill them because that's that's the best thing that's going on. That's the best way that this this whole thing can be resolved. Um, similarly. When we're talking about uh, Albedo and Rubido, their their final conflict, you know, Rubido doesn't necessarily want to fight Albedo. Uh, he doesn't want to kill him, um, but he ultimately does defeat him because he knows it's you know it's the right thing to do, and he he you know embraces his full power. Uh, he does he goes Red Dragon mode, I guess, or whatever the fuck that was. Um, and don't explain it to me. I don't. I, I don't yeah, know. It, I wouldn't know how. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm glad that you don't know what that means either. Um, they keep he's, saying he's, it, and then I don't know. He's the the horseman of war, uh, but like, don't worry about that. That's fine. Um, and you know, the game, the game is trying to hint like, okay, yeah, there's going to be some hard choices made. Um, and I think this is partially a problem with Nietzsche's philosophy. Uh, we'll drop this video that I watched to ex that basically broke down the main points of what the book Beyond Good and Evil uh, is about. Um, but basically, my understanding is that it is about how right the so we we talked about the the will to power and you know the everybody's will is to uh you know shape reality around them and to you know make others submit to their will um and this one you know it, it is about destroying old um ideas of philosophy there's a lot of stuff about how like christians and jews um, because they were persecuted by the romans they created these religions in which they're like okay all the romans stuff all the stuff that they like like fucking and eating like and having cool parties that's actually bad um and that's like frederick that's quite a take <laughs> um but sure whatever that his whole his whole thesis is that like um christianity is an anti-life religion because it because it it you want to um, embrace the the spiritual world you, you since you have no power in the material world you embrace the spiritual world where you you believe you will have power um but also it talks about how you know you have to supersede morality right it destroy destroy the morality of, of christianity you know destroy the binary of good and evil and, and achieve something more this is where we get into ubermensch shit right this is where we get the you know stuff that eventually evolved into nazism and fascism um so thanks for that fred um but like when you boil it down and try to apply it to a game that is highly unrelatable, um, you just get these ideas that are just like, sometimes you have to do things that are morally questionable. And it's like, yeah, I guess you do, Fred. I guess you do. But that's just like how storytelling works. Like sometimes if you're making a story that's not, you know, very simplistic, sometimes you have to make a hard choice. And like that... It is very hard to make that a core tenet of, of your game that you're trying to make because, like, it's not revolutionary to be like, sometimes you're going to have to make a choice and that is going to affect. Well, it's not your, your the players doesn't make a choice, but the characters in the game have to make a choice. And that's going to that's going to be, you know, it's going to make them feel sad. That's not new. <laughs> Right. People have been making hard choices for a very, very long time. And I think that Nietzsche's whole 
um you know try trying to center your game around something like be- becoming you know beyond the concept of going beyond good and evil is is not 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 interesting unfortunately um i think they do a lot of great aesthetic stuff that's very interesting i think we should talk about the difference between you know making something that is boring but um you know technically good and something that is um technically terrible uh like xeno saga 2 is but like aesthetically pretty interesting um but yeah like i you know i don't know that this game achieves what it wants to but that's not necessarily i mean no hold on it is a lot of the game's fault i let me <laughs> i don't want to absolve this game but also if, if you're gonna if you right this fit game famously was supposed to be six games and not three they're trying to, to do a lot of a lot of shit they're trying to compress a lot of shit um they're trying to boil down a lot of ideas and they don't get a lot of time to extrapolate on them so like eh, you know i want to extend some grace to the people who made this oh no for sure like the devs behind this did their best it's just the 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 final product is absolutely flawed um but i do i okay so i think you said something interesting that could be the basis of our little like writer's workshop here um which is that yes making gray morality the center of your narrative and being like sometimes you have to do things you don't agree with is not inherently very like interesting um when Xion is in front of the Zohar and uh, uh, Cecily and Kath, who are the two realians that are hooked up to the Zohar, um, to stabilize it, I think is their their whole thing. Um, their Fabronia, who Fabronia was Xion's caretaker uh, on Milsha, uh, they're her sisters, and the ghost of Fabronia like asked her to 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 free them. She didn't say what freeing them meant; it meant killing them. Um, Xion does have a mental breakdown kind of in the middle of in the middle of all of this saying like she's tired of like she doesn't want to make this choice anymore and I don't think that moment is particularly well executed because what the fuck else are you supposed to do with these like comatose dismembered realians like they have been in pods for 12 years. Their bodies are decaying. Like, there is... Yeah, like, this isn't like a, oh, you should take people off life support if they're disabled conversation. This is a, they're, like, literally cut in half. Yeah, like, no, they're half missing... Half of them are, are, like, you know, there's, like, wires and shit coming out of them. Like, they're they're functionally dead. They are decaying. Like, like yeah, you can see their, their inside machinery. Uh, which, I mean, shout out to the modelers, because holy shit, uh, doing that on PS2 graphics is pretty cool. Yeah, no, it looked good. Um... But I think there is something to be said where you have an ensemble game where you're not controlling your ensemble's decisions, you're only controlling your ensemble's combat, um, where you could frame this narrative to make Xion feel increasingly helpless and have her reclaiming her agency be the emotional um, turning point of this narrative. Um... So, you know, in talking about, like, so the big drama, right, is the, the Mizrahis and the, the kind of, like, Yuri of conglomerate together. Um, having, you know, that feeling of helplessness in terms of, first of all, albedo infecting Momo, which, like, let's talk about it. The implication that the narrative po- poses is that albedo assaulted Momo. I, ha- I hate this. I hate this. There's no reason for this to be in here. It is it is off-putting, and the worst part about it is that Momo never gets to confront him, and she has to, like, forgive him at the end. 
Um, he literally gets taken to heaven by angels. Yeah, he gets taken to, like, machine heaven, I guess. What? Why? It's fucking, stu- it's fucking what, stupid. <laughs> what are you talking about, you fucking dipshit? He's, you know, so... You know, first of all, I guess, here's problem one that we have to resolve. Uh, Albedo needs to not be this evil. <laughs> He needs to, if, if the, we either have to pick, like, does the audience, do we want the audience to sympathize with him? Or is one of those, those kind of like helpless, uh, beyond good and evil acts, the fact that he has to rejoin with Junior, even though he's evil, right? Like, you can't do both. And this game tries really, really hard to do both. Um, so like, what do you, I, I don't know, like, in terms of the, the URTVs, like, what do you think would have been more satisfying? Like, do you just go full ham with him, or <sighs> or is there anywhere in his in his whole thing like a shred of sympathy that could be used to actually make him feel human? So if we're going to take Albedo as is, and you know, let all the terrible stuff that he does in the first two games stand, um, which you know. Aside from the assault stuff, I think is, you know, fine. If they cut that, it would it, the story would lose nothing. Um, which, which I, and I, for I, our sake, let's cut it. I don't want to talk yes, about it anymore. I, I don't either. I broadly think that most narratives should not have that in it. But um, if we're going to leave Albedo as, as somebody who is flawed and, you know, we are largely supposed to identify as the antagonist, I think that the best way to engaged with the themes of going beyond good and evil um and trying to right nicho is is often frames things as like a conflict between wills and like you know that that's where we get albedo and rubido's like clash um you know kind of culminates in this right the, I, I have a whole separate rant about how nietzsche's whole he talked he talks about how when a rabbit eats a carrot uh, that is the fucking battle between wills because it's the rabbit's desire for nutrition that overpowers the carrot's desire to not get digested. It's it's a really stupid fucking philosophy that Frederick goddamn Nietzsche posits. But like that's how that's how the whole he says Descartes stupid because he he thinks that the I by by supposing that the I exists he's already gone too far. But he does say that like anyway the whole world is a battle between you know digesting carrots and shit. It's really stupid. Uh, anyway, if we are gonna try to engage with that god-awful philosophy um we want to have albedo you know leave him as being a a shit heel or whatever but it should be rubedo's response to him right it should be him because we never really see um him you know take on the like engage with the fact that like oh he he always believes that albedo can be redeemed he always thinks that like you know he's still my brother he he is always willing to afford him that that level of grace and i don't think they they give that conversation we don't see him i mean i guess we do in some ways see why he is sympathetic but just because somebody is sympathetic doesn't mean that you know they deserve this redemption arc that they're trying to go for and i think that to engage with those those themes of going beyond good and evil um junior has to be like I'm going to have to merge with this guy that sucks, and I don't know how to feel about that. And also, because I am trying to, you know, reclaim my own agency, steer the course of my own life, you know, I need to increase the force of my will, own will to power, or fucking whatever. Um, I have to, you know, di- 
come overcome these these terrible things that Albedo's done and forge my own understanding of of the world and you know absorb him into myself. I I think that we have to frame it in the reactions to to the bad person and not necessarily um you know the bad person themselves, right? Like um. I want to shout out our, our one of my favorite, you know, the fucking fucking Poppy War, right? Like Rin, Rin is interesting because of you know everybody else's reactions to her, right? Like when we, see, I mean, I guess this this is maybe, I think I'm dragging Poppy War down to a. <laughs> I think Poppy War does not need to be in this arena of conversation. Uh, it it needs to be up in the stands somewhere in the in the fucking uh, VIP seats. But like, uh, I just think that you know if you're trying to position. Uh, an antagonist right antagonists are bad because of the ways that people react to them and like trying to grapple with how to how to you know engage with them right i think so i think uh uh that's the thing right is so there is not enough exploration of the conflict between rubido's perception of albedo and the reality of albedo because rubido very clearly still sees that man as his little brother who was scared and who he failed right because fundamentally that's how he feels he feels like oh my god because i lost concentration when we were facing down udu albedo got infected and so albedo the way he is is my fault and that is my brother and he needs me and i think that um even just the kidnapping of Momo and implanting the Y data in her head should have been enough grounds for him to start to reevaluate that relationship and to be like, oh my God, no, that's a monster. That is not my brother anymore. And then come to the conflict of, oh my God, in order to, I think it would have been actually more interesting if they if they made Albedo and Rubido's story a story of mutually assured destruction, um, of uh, if one dies, the other dies. If you're gonna listen, if you're gonna play at the conjoined twin thing, play it up. You know what I mean? Like really lean into your own bullshit science. Um, so if it's if it's a story of like okay, if one dies, then so does the other, and therefore they need to keep Albedo alive, um, in order for Junior to live. But like. If Albedo stays alive, it's going to be bad. And the only way out for them is to merge together. Um, then there's more incentive for him to pursue that option. Uh, and the the then the conflict needs to be, you know, like, oh, my God, my brother's a monster and I need to reabsorb him. I have fought so hard to be the person I am today. How is this going to change me? And then being able to lean on his found family of this ragtag bunch of adventurers to get the emotional support to, like, be able to move forward with this decision. And, therefore, you can still have this this one-on-one showdown with Albedo, but it would take place inside of Junior's head. And I think the, the, the way you could draw an interesting parallel would be... Um, to because you know the whole gang gets to go into momo's head to help save her um i think if if they couldn't do that for junior uh i think it would be like an interesting parallel to be like hey like we did this before but that's not the kind of like weird udu magic that this thing takes place in because that's basically what happens he goes in like an udu cloud and fights albedo like you could still have that um and then you know having having that kind of um moment of, of of helplessness for the whole group uh in in having to support junior and and you know you could have some like pretty grim conversations about what happens if if he's if he becomes more albedo than rubido but there is there's not enough of an interest in 
having that conversation um and uh i mean this is not not a spoiler because it's pretty obvious albedo becomes the white testament so like even him merging back in with junior doesn't entirely make sense because well i don't or i guess he doesn't merge back in with junior in this one i guess that happens in three doesn't matter you know it's gonna happen um you know uh like albedo having this new lease on life as a testament like doesn't entirely make sense either so you could just eliminate that by having him remerge together with junior in the second game and then all you have left to solve is the puzzle of negredo and yuriev who are also kind of in this mutually assured destruction path because that's how yuriev stays immortal he possesses his designer children um mm, i so. see yes so that i think i don't know thoughts thoughts feelings no i mean i think that's i think that's right uh gosh i mean like I think we're we're also we have the privileged position of being able to take this in in pieces, right? the The other part of this is that there are just too many other fucking characters and concepts going on here. Like, we I I think that you know so much of this game should should have been cut, um, if we wanted to make the story work. And like, I just don't think that, that would happen in in like a production cycle of, of something like this. Um, I believe the director had to step away from the project because like, of basically they said that like oh it, the way if i ran it then it wouldn't like it wouldn't get done properly and it would it would take too long or whatever um but yeah like we we are able to like take the the concepts that are you know there are ideas here there are places where the story could you know have changed and worked differently but be, i think that the you know demands of making a very you know you know anticipated video game do you know, force you to have extraneous, you know, bullshit. <laughs> like there, there are a lot of storylines here that just don't matter to the central conflict. Um, and that, that's a hard thing to, to navigate. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I don't know the production realities of this game 20 years ago, or even the production reality of the industry 20 years ago. But, you know, you would hope that that there was, you know, some some mechanism for like asset reuse or, or anything like that, that would have made the visuals at least easier to navigate but you know there are all new models for everything and it makes you wonder like was this a directorial choice was this a market mm -hmm. demand was this a, a, a demand of the technology because um, obviously that is you know a strain on the production and then you have the fact that it was cut from six games to three um so there's just like a lot of odd factors coming into this that made this like a bad experience um uh, truly like and you know in having this little like workshoppy conversation i do want to make it clear like i hate it i don't like to use the phrasing of like okay well, like we fixed it like there's no fixing it it's just us trying to like puzzle through how we would approach the problems that this is positing um there's a thousand different ways to like rewrite your game or someone else's game and you know put your own like subjective spin on it i don't want to be like oh we're right we're not you know it's just yeah, an exploration yeah. um but yeah i think the other important part to talk about is like um well you know the 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 like mizrahi stuff i think it's like fine right i think if you fix the or if you adjust the the urtv mess i think that the the mizrahi stuff falls into place a little bit easier right um I don't know what Miss Rossi stuff you're talking about. Well, like the whole family drama with them, right? I feel like if you if you sort out the URTV stuff, then there's like an easier way to make 
the whole Momo, like, getting her brain hacked thing be uh, an exploration of her helplessness that could, like, set the stage for everyone else. Um, okay. You know, like, uh, Yuli Mizrahi, same thing. Like, you could kind of address... Her stuff gets a lot easier to address when, um, you know, Momo's, like, in a better place emotionally. I mean, Momo, Momo thankfully gets an apology tour in 3 because, holy shit... Um, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's a lot I would even begin to, I got, I just, I do, <sighs> the, like, lack of cohesion in the timelines really drives me nuts, because, like, you could just explain the Milshin conflict once, like, we don't have to keep revisiting it, but this game insists on doing so, mm-hmm. um, and so it's like, ooh, the madman Yoki Mizrahi, but you really don't learn anything new about him in this one. I think it would have been nice to learn anything new about his relationship with his wife and his daughter in this one, um... But, you know, wishful thinking. Um, I do hate... I do not... I do... I don't like the... um, (laughs) Of all things, Jenny Nicholson's video on the Vampire Diaries kind of addresses this phenomenon. Um, I don't know. Did you watch that two and a half hour long? Of course I did. Great. So she does talk about how, like, a lot of times when you need somebody to be in love with someone very quickly, you need them to be, like, a like a reincarnation or a clone of their, like, past self or whatever, um, mm-hmm. or a doppelganger. Inuyasha does this, right? Like, Kagome is a, a clone yeah. of Kikyo, or, or Kikyo's reincarnation. Um, and, and, like, in here, like, Momo being copy of sakura is like shorthand for junior being in love with her and i'm just mm-hmm. like mm. i don't know odd right it's just easier it's just a shortcut right it's because if if we had to have junior have two separate relationships with two different women right that would take you know you'd have to expand on that and develop those relationships and like actually see that play out on screen. And this game was like clearly not in a position to (laughs) build out more than like one relation, two relationships with junior. And one of them was fucking Alvito. So like, it's just, you know, I I think especially in, in serialized things like games or, or TV, it's just easier. So like, I, I, I think it's bad, but I get it. Yeah. I think the I think the last uh, section that we can talk about in terms of the story, right? So if we're trying to just like quickly workshop the themes of like helplessness and and um, found family and, and and whatnot, you know, you have the the albedo, rubido, negredo thing happening um, that could be adjusted with just the way you treat albedo and and focusing more on Junior's reactions and a shift in perspective. Um, the Mizrahi stuff uh, would naturally kind of conform to that, I think, a little bit more naturally. Um, what? How do you add Cosmos and Chaos into all? Because they're there. They just don't do anything. That's what I'm saying. Like, you cut them. Like, <laughs> I, there's no reason for them to be here. <laughs> like, and I know that's not feasible. So right? where do they like, go? <laughs> I think maybe you add them into like a weird C plot. Like I think maybe like 
this would be like probably not fun to play through but maybe like they have a third mission that's like okay we have to go and like get cosmos some sort of like firmware update from the federation base and like maybe there we start seeding the the whatever happens in in three like we get more of the testament shit um and then maybe at the very end she gets her upgrade and then she can come back and do a shield but i don't fucking know you could okay actually fun fact so that that would actually be more interesting not because of the you i don't think you could start seeding the testament shit because that kind of seeds itself um in terms of like we know virgil's a testament uh and then there's three others Ooh, who are they uh albedo and two others uh mm-hmm. and i do think it would be interesting to start seeding telos though uh telos is another it's she's she's also cosmos she's another cosmos that you get in three <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> She's what? She's mean. She's mean. I think you'll like her. Okay. Well, I do love a mean, sexy lady. Yeah, so. she's mean and powerful. She whips ass. Um, okay. So you could start seeding Telos, which would be very interesting. Um, you could also start seeding um, maybe a little bit more about Kevin because he, for all the soft boy treatment he gets in this one, wild, insane turns uh, in the in the final installment. I mean, he's, like, clearly evil, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I, I got some pretty bad vibes from him through all his cutscenes with Shion being like, oh, you're so great. There's no way you have a dark secret. Do you want to guess which color testament he is? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. We already had white. We already have... Blue. Did you say... B- blue? Oh, Virgil shit. Blue. I thought it was, thought it was going to be, like, white, black, uh, gray, and... Or pale. So your four cho- your four choices are white, black, red, and blue, and we um, all we already know white and blue, so red or black. So I guess it'll be black. Hmm. And we'll see. We'll find out. Yeah, I guess I'll fucking find out. Uh. Yeah. So Kevin. Kevin. Kevin's characterization is so funny. He's such like. Like truly like, I'm an emo kid, non-conforming as can be. Like it's that's the vibe. Mm-hmm. It's. A lot. So, anyway, yeah. So if he's if he's in cosmos and chaos into that, I think it might be better. Uh, and then you know you 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 do your big finale with with Proto Merkaba and and or Proto Omega, sorry, with Proto Omega and it bursts out and everyone feels horrible and helpless and blah 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 blah. You can continue the game from there on. Um, that that is the one thing that I thought this did really well is there's just a bunch of cool looking ships and like robot dragon cannons and the the scene where um proto omega like rises from the surface of milsha is really really cool um and like those are the moments that i think that xenosaga should try to drill down on um like i know that this is largely a story about you know like fucking personhood and you know uh, imposing your will upon other people to absorb them into your own self but like i do wish there was more you know like big set stupid set piece space battle shit right right like and that's what you because mentioned they do it well they do you mentioned that earlier right so like if you make if you make something that is uh the narrative is like a little bit weaker at least man at least go ham on the visuals and i think you know despite the odd choices in realism or whatever, like, man, that moment where Cosmos makes her little her little sleeping bag into a bike, that fucking rules. Like, 
there are moments of of uh spectacle that that really work really real that really work well um but they are outweighed by confusion i don't know if you're like me um and if something is confusing you like lose interest very quickly because you don't understand what's going on but like that Mm -hmm. that is this game it sure is unfortunately um i do want to talk uh one last thing before we before we kind of taper into the end of our show there is a reveal at the end that i've been meaning to talk to you about for (laughs) a months now yep okay okay so so a character that barely features in this game chaos is revealed to be yeshua um which i took to mean jesus of nazareth is that correct so when i messaged marty about this because i couldn't i couldn't talk to you because i was waiting for you to kind of so you you dialed your other catholic (laughs) yeah i dialed my other catholic and i was like hey who's yeshua and they they said in all caps jesus (laughs) um yeah so here's the thing he's not there is like jesus like we see jesus in the next game because he's famously Orlando yeah, Bloom. Yeah, he's modeled after Orlando Bloom. <laughs> so, what is so then why did they call him Yeshua? So what does that mean? I don't know. It means this game's fucking stupid. <laughs> That's what it means. It means somebody said, how can we just like really kick them right in the fucking face at the very, very end while the credits roll? God damn it. Well, that and then uh, naming your dog after your murderous fucking brother yeah jesus christ i mean like i was like okay that's kind of cute oh you immediately made it worse great oh poor it's yeah. fine it's fine how like oh man just also it's just like yappy pomeranian which i thought was very funny <laughs> that is kind of funny <laughs> um yeah so anyway um i think you and i can call this um even for the experience of pan yeah, that's true. I did not have to watch Pan, so... Yeah, I took that burden on myself, so I think we're even now. Um, I'll, I'll accept that. That's a very fair trade. I, w- I would rather watch this twice than watch Pan <laughs> once, I think. Yeah, it was a very bad movie. Pan's crime is having been made 13 years after this game and yes. still be uh, as... Miserable as it was, miserable yeah. miserable and offensive as... And a waste of Hugh Jackman, I swear to God. The um, worst cry. So yeah, um, uh, my marketing minute for this one is: don't bring this back. Uh, do something <laughs> else. <laughs> Just play Xeno Xeno uh, Gears or whatever. The I one hear that Nintendo Blade is good. I yeah, Xeno Blade's supposedly very good. So yeah, I might tap into that. Um, but also, maybe that'll be our next nightmare <laughs> deep dive. Oh Lord, uh, uh, listeners, though, listen. If you wanna uh, uh, go to Kofi.com/slash/Lilzas and send me two hundred and fifty dollars so I can buy that Cosmos figurine. <laughs> uh and just listen it. we have to subsidize your anime <laughs> figurines somehow i only uh, have one um that's the problem that's true it could it should be more um anyway uh, any, any final parting thoughts um i guess maybe just like if you're having trouble um figuring out what to do with your narrative Take the number of characters you currently have and cut them in half. And um, maybe sometimes literally uh, in this case. But um, 
just maybe maybe scale maybe the most important we can lo- thing we can learn is that reducing your scale is almost always a good thing to do <laughs> for real make me a game just about alan and his bureaucratic nightmare make me a <laughs> that stealth, would be great make me a stealth game about alan because nobody <laughs> sees him poor boy yeah it's a you win you get an s rank on every single mission uh poor poor alan impossible to be noticed Mm -hmm. when when uh we're not slogging through just the most inscrutable jrpgs and also 19th century philosophy texts Layla, where can we be found on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Um, I just wrote two essays. I've already forgotten what they are. Um, I am pretty quiet right now because I'm mostly playing Elden Ring. <laughs> Aaron, what about you? Uh, unfortunately, I'm also playing Elden Ring a lot, but I am also doing some stuff. Um, I am at Aaron SXL on Twitter, where I tweet about tabletop RPGs and uh, health policy. Um, I do a podcast that is not this podcast at the Bible boys where me and my friends, Michael and Josh, uh, talk about Christian media. Uh, we're going to talk about the 2000 left behind, uh, hopefully this episode. Um, uh, I famously, the first podcast I ever did was, uh, a podcast reviewing the left behind, uh, first book. Um, this movie was somehow worse than the experience of reading that book, uh, which is a choice, but it's, it's fine. Anyway, uh, if you're interested in, in the fucking weird Judeo-Christian nightmare that is uh, Xenosaga, maybe tap into to Left Behind because there's also some wild shit there. Um, I also do tabletop game reviews uh, on my, my YouTube channel. That's at AaronSXL or a- at AA Voigt um, on, at YouTube. And I'm going to have a review out about uh, a game called Breathless, um, which is a really fun zombie game that is like light and compact and has some really interesting dice mechanics. Uh, so if you're interested in like Last of Us or Days Gone or whatever, check that out. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, uh, you happy with how this episode turned out? Oh, don't be stupid. How could I be happy? <laughs> I'll see you all next week.